Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Hello, Joe. Here we are. Another episode of Virtually Amazing, the podcast. It's so exciting. It's really cool. And uh, we had a great chat with Amanda in our first episode. And today we're going to be talking to Tristan Martin later. But before we get to, to introducing Tristan, what have you been up to this week, Joe? Uh, this week, um, I have been working on a WordPress Divi website. Somebody had built their own website, but they were having problems creating library elements to standardize features across their website. So I helped them put those together and um, do some problem solving for them. That's, that's cool. I, I also use Divi on my website. And uh, I have somebody that helps me with it or, or my VA goes in and, and does stuff. So it's always good to have a second pair of hands and a second yeah, pair of eyes on always. what you're doing. Because often they spot things that, that you as the business owner don't spot. Yeah. Because um, we're so immersed in our businesses, aren't we, that we don't always see. Um, it, it's, it's always useful to have that outside eye and um, I went in to do a, a particular problem solve and I identified a couple of tweaks with layout and, and structure that will make the website perform better and also give a better visual from the front end so they're going to go off and have a little look at that for themselves. Oh that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, I've been having quite an exciting week or so. I've been talking to a gentleman in Australia. He's a trainer. He's a, a productivity guru Ooh. in Australia. His name's Stuart Snooks. And uh, he, he's, he's fabulous. I could listen to him all day. He's got a lovely voice, that Australian twang. Yeah. And um, he is really into productivity and he's got a great system for triaging your email and his, his email system uh, and he got in touch with me because um, with everybody being forced to work online now he's going to be providing some of his training online rather than Ooh, in his yeah. workshops so I teach as you know I teach on both the Windows and Mac platform so I know both versions of Office and he needed somebody who knew something about Outlook for Mac. So we've been talking about a little collaboration there with some online tutorials for his students for Mac, which is yep. very exciting because it gets me even more international than I already am. Yes, so. you can't get more international than living in Israel, servicing clients in England and Europe with the European VAs that we work with. Yeah, and, uh, and a couple of weeks ago, if we're talking about international, um, I ran a one-to-one -one training session for a lovely lady in the States uh, on Microsoft Teams. We just did a one-to-one -one Teams training session. So we can work anywhere. And, you know, as a VA, um, if you can hack the time difference, you yeah. can work with clients anywhere in the world. So if you're in the UK and you've got clients in America, you could work with them. Maybe they send you stuff that gets turned around 24 hours later yeah. rather than immediately. So anything can happen. But today we've got Tristan Martin on the show. He's a wizard about security, about passwords, about in IT support in general. I've known him for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, and I know you're a client, and yeah. we'll probably chat about that in the interview. So it's going to be a really fun-filled interview. He's got his top five tips to share with us. Yeah. And, uh, and let's, uh, let's invite him in and see what Tristan's got to say. So just hang on in there, and Tristan will be joining us in just a moment. Hello, and welcome to our guest this week. Tristan Martin of TL Martin Limited. Tristan, it's great to have you on the podcast this week. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Tell us what you do. Tell us what you're about. I do IT consultancy. So I look after small, medium businesses uh, from one man bands all the way up to uh, 20 person businesses, 30 person businesses, looking after their IT to make sure that they're working safely, they're working the most efficient they can, and that 
everything's all kept safe and secure for them and if they have any problems of those uh, little niggles that appear they've got somebody an IT department on the phone they can call which is ourselves. Fabulous. Joe, you've known Tristan for a while haven't you? Yes yeah um, we met through various Facebook groups and um, yeah it, I always found um, Tristan's advice really helpful and I'm now happy to be a client of his and moved all my IT support to Tristan because I was so happy. That's ah, brilliant. Yeah. That's it's a pleasure brilliant. to have you. Yeah, it's lovely. So we are going to talk with Tristan today, well with you, we're going to be talking about securing your tech. When you're a VA, you're working for lots of different people and you, at the moment, you're probably not going anywhere because uh, we are recording this during the COVID-19 time, but ultimately you might be out and about with your laptop you might go work in a coffee shop, you might go meet a client. So what kind of um, tips and advice, Tristan, can you give to a VA about the security around her tech, his tech, their tech? Yeah, the, one of the first things is encryption. Whether you, whatever computer you've got, whatever device you've got, they're th st stealable. Someone can come in and steal with their, if it's a desktop in your house, you can still be broken into. If it's a laptop, it's more likely because you're more at risk with carrying it in a car, things like that. Your mobile phones, your tablets, all of those can be lost or stolen. And the rule is, if it's lost or stolen, you have to report it as a data breach. So if you report it as a data breach, that's not just yourself, or you, you have to tell all your clients, and the clients whose data you hold have to report it to their clients because you're acting on their behalf. Simplest solution to this is encrypt it. Just encrypt the device. So all Windows and Mac computers can be encrypted. Macs easily. Windows, you have to have Windows Professional to be encrypted. Uh, iPhones and iPads, they're all encrypted. As soon as you turn them on, you just need to put the passcode on the front. Uh, Android phones, and tablets are a little bit trickier. Every single one is slightly different. Uh, there's the OnePlus models, fantastic, it's a tick box. Samsung have uh, Knox security on some of theirs, but not all of theirs. Uh, every single one's different, so you do need to investigate if you go down the Android route. Um, but it, it, encryption is one of those things that's absolutely vital. Because what it does is it makes sure that anybody who steals the data, steals your computer, can't get into it. Without encryption, especially with computers, it is three minutes for an eight-year-old child to gain access. Uh, and I've done that before in front of people. An eight-year-old. <laughs> an eight-year-old. Anybody who can Google. Yeah. And it's yeah. nothing difficult to do. Wow, that's really scary. It's <laughs> really scary. So you mentioned Windows Home. If you on a Windows laptop, um, you should be using Windows Professional, and that's kind of my bugbear because I work in the the Microsoft space, um, and I'm forever suggesting to people that they need to have the business or professional versions of the software, yeah. even if it's just from a purely licensing point of view. Yeah. Um, but but also from a security point of view. It's, it's important. I have both Windows and Mac because I teach on yep. both platforms. So mine are all encrypted. And you're right, the Mac is just turn on file vault and Windows yep. is, is, uh, is uh, bit bit locker. Yeah. That, that's the one. That's, that's really important. Joe, when you bought your laptop, I don't know when you last bought a laptop, did it come with Windows Home or did you have to upgrade it? I bought my last laptop from Tristan and um, we, we went through the process of doing the purchase um, and the laptop arrived in a box. All I had to do was plug it in, switch it on. And I, in fact, I didn't have to plug it in because it was already charged. So I just literally switched on and went. Um, the BitLocker was set up, my Windows was set up, uh, my firewall, my antivirus, my malware, what, all of those things were set up and they're all managed by Tristan. Oh, brilliant. One thing, even for clients who people aren't on board with our support, we do not just sell laptops in a sealed box. No. It will always be slightly open because we will have set it up originally. Uh, it's, it's just something that makes sure everybody gets what they need. The biggest difficulty, as, say, as you said, with Macs, it's perfect. What it, with a Mac OS, encryption's built in on all their versions. With Windows, you've got your home and your professional. Professional's the only one with BitLocker. 
to be turned on. But your typical places where you buy your computers are you go to a high street shop and high street shops are designed to sell to the public who supposedly don't need encryption. Therefore, they all come in Windows Home. So it's is a lot. It's more useful to try and seek out somebody who is providing for businesses because you'll get everything all set up in one. Yeah. Is it is it easy to to get the professional version? Let's say I go into Curry's PC World or somewhere like that, and I, I walk out with my nice shiny new laptop. How easy is it for me to upgrade to Windows? It, it's 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 quite easy. Uh, it it is it's a license key. So you just need to get the, the professional license key. Uh, as soon as you do that, you upgrade with the license key and um, it can be done through the, the store itself, as in uh, the Windows Store. It can be done um, through a third party. And all it does is it unlocks certain features. Windows has all the features built into it. They're just locked for home users because the, there's two things that uh, business users tend to need, one which home users don't. One is the encryption although I'd argue home users do need it. Mm. And two is uh, being able to join to a domain. And when we use domain in this term, we mean about having an office server in the corner, which has all the users in, and the office server can reset the login passwords and does all the configuration automatically. That you tend to need professional for. It's a bit more of an advanced feature. Yeah. That's why your, your, your high street shops don't sell it with professional. They sell it with home. But yeah, it's, it is quite an easy process to upgrade. We, we've done it for a lot of people to get them onto that professional. So okay. don't worry if you have bought one, which is home. Okay. And then you talked about, I don't know if you mentioned it, but, but I've got my list of questions over here. We're talking about um, internet security. So we've talked about encrypting a laptop. Um, yeah. But nowadays, every single thing we do is online. Yeah. So we're communicating online right now. So how do you stay safe online? What, what's the basics? So your internet security, and it's a very important that you've used that term, internet security, because we all love to chuck around the word antivirus. Yes. <laughs> now, and you'll see on uh, adverts for some of the things like Macs and Google Chrome. Oh, get those, the Chromebooks, and they get the Macs because they don't need antivirus. And to a certain degree, you're right. They don't need antivirus. But they do need malware protection, spyware protection, ransomware protection. <clears throat> all of these things, uh, Trojan horses, all of those are fully available for your Chromebook, for your Mac, as well as Windows. The term is, we're just used to the phrase antivirus. And we think antivirus means all of those. But technically speaking, antivirus just means a self-replicating program which is back in the old days where you had a floppy disk put it in one computer mm. as it detected it put the virus on it you moved it to another computer as it read it it put the virus on the other computer a bit like a proper virus today yeah it, that's why i got its phrase a virus they are very few and far between now the big thing is it's the malware, the spyware, the ransomware. So you're, you'll see the packages that you would think of as antivirus like Norton and so on. They are all called internet security because they cover more. The, the couple of things you've got with that is the package you have. So you've got uh, the off-the-shelf ones, and there's some very good ones there, and you've got the ones that are designed more for business. The off-the-shelf, again, typically designed for home users. The ones that are designed for business are designed to be a lot lighter weight, and often they have a lot more powerful structure, uh, powerful features. Any of the paid-for ones, as far as I've seen with licensing, they're all suitable for business. But it, it's always something just to be to be conscious of is you do need some you do need some internet security software windows defender which all windows has uh, is a bare basic because when you go to get your first internet security software you've got to go online so you still need some yeah. protection just to get there to go and get yeah. your main protection yeah. um, and that that's the main thing brilliant and and are there any that you recommend i use trend micro and i have for years um, I can't remember what I used before, but I've used that for years and years and years. And it's labeled internet security. It's not yeah. actually labeled antivirus anymore. And I've got a license that protects up to five machines, which is great because I've got quite a few um, lying around my office here. So um, there's, it's, it's a bit of a mix. Um, there's, there's, a couple, there's, some, there's lots out there and you'll, you'll see, you can do sort of searches for the top five, top 10. Uh, 
the things that you rate between them are they're sort of are they uh, how many false positives do they give so where they detect something that's a virus that's not a virus how many things do they actually catch all those different ones uh, then you've got your own personal preference so for instance the, the top two that regularly come out on off the shelf ones are Norton and Kaspersky uh, Kaspersky is slightly better than Norton regularly in the top tens. I will often, if I've been recommending an off the shelf package to someone, choose Norton because the user interface is a lot easier. Kaspersky is brilliant, but the user interface for anybody trying to look and see, oh, how do I allow this? I want to allow this program. It's a bit of a nightmare to go through. Uh, ourselves with our clients, we use WebRoot which is, uh, it's a managed antivirus. So it ties into a central console that we can monitor as well. So if somebody was to get something that it dealt with, we'd be alerted, we'd be able to spot mm -hmm. trends and things like that. The ones that are off the shelf, because they know a lot of households have a lot of PCs and devices, they will usually do bundles, which are five devices, 10 yeah. devices, things like that. Your business ones are tend to be, it's a license per machine. So you, you, if you, if you, you've got something that you are having several devices and yeah, Norton Kaspersky trend where you've got your own sort of personal preference with the business, it, they can't really compete with their, it is a different yeah. sort of kettle fish. It is a per device. So uh, we bundle those in often with our support agreements because we, it's just a case of it takes a headache out of it because we, yeah. we look at it of, you need to have a security and we want to make sure you've got one that we, we fully uh, trust and, we found is really useful yeah i suppose it's not good if your clients are phoning you up and saying oh, i've been hacked can you ask no. and takes you forever to sort it out exactly hours of work and with the support agreement the the whole the whole fun behind support is if you have somebody on a sort of retainer you they're doing their job when you don't need to speak to them when you have yeah. someone on ad hoc they only make their money when you do have to speak to them <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um well, let, let's let's have a have a have a talk about. We mentioned licensing there from yeah. from trends. So, what what about licensed software and, so, and home versions and professional versions? What's your take on that? There's unfortunately the way they phrase things. There's a bit of a mismatch. So, like you've got Windows Home and Professional in the the what's the agreement, the end user license agreement. Because you don't own the software, you own a license to use the software. You're perfectly fine to use both for business. Uh, obviously, we've discussed about the points of using professional. When it comes to other software, and Microsoft unfortunately has one with Office because they have Office Home and Office Business, they've made a clear distinction between home use and business use. The reason so behind that is Office was produced uh, as a package years and years and years ago. You know, <laughs> I first used it in the 90s, and it was £300 a computer. <clears throat> That's how much yeah. it cost. You had to pay £300 per computer. But back yeah. in those days, you only had one computer. So yeah. it wasn't too much. They updated every three years. but And they gave a, a, a free version with most computers. It, you, if you bought it, it was about 40 quid called Microsoft Works. Yeah, that's home true. users wrote their CVs in it to send to businesses. And the businesses couldn't open it because it was a different file format. Mm -hmm. Kids were doing homework in it. They couldn't take it into school because schools were businesses. They used business license. Uh, office uh, office software so Microsoft decided to get rid of it and produce office uh, for a discounted for use from home so this is for you writing letters to your aunties writing sort of letters to companies as a, for a CV for instance or to say you know a, a complaint or a praise letter something along those lines your spreadsheet to be able to do your household budget the software for the kids to do their homework they give a really cheap version for home users your business version, it isn't that when you actually put it all together, it's actually not that much more expensive, but that's licensed for business because you're using their software to make you money. You wouldn't be able to make that money if you didn't have their software because when you're doing the reports as a, a VA might need to do, as you're doing the spreadsheet editing for clients and things like that, every single time you use their software, you're bringing in income for yourself. So that's so the business pricing is the proper pricing. They just discount it for home users. When you're using it at home, the, the equivalent, if you use that sort of home version, this is why it's also careful to, to spot because, again, if you go to a high street store, you'll typically see the home ones on the shelf. And a lot of the time you say, oh, I just need Microsoft Office. The default is give you the home version. The equivalent of that is when you, you do your own business, you often have to insure your car for business mileage. 
to say, I'm going to use my car on behalf of my business. When you do that, your you because your standard insurance is sort of social, domestic, commuting. You add on the business part. Your insurance goes up a little bit, not that much. But if you didn't tell the insurance company you were doing business, odds of you getting caught, probably not until you have that accident. Then that's when it's all going to be fail because your insurance is going to be invalid and things like that. So again, it's the same with office. The software is the same, but you're not licensed for business if you want a home version. Yeah. What about other free tools out there? And free tools is also a great one is one to watch out for because a lot of these companies that produce it, they've got to pay for hosting. They've got to pay for the software to be developed. There's a lot of community projects out there that are fantastic and licensed completely for anybody to use. I use a, a stock management system that's completely free. It is online, but it's, it's done with donations, but it's also done with community support. The software is built by everybody, but it means if there's a bug or a problem or security issue, it's going to take time for it to be fixed because we're, re we're relying on volunteers. When you deal with, um, so antivirus is another one that's often a free tool, but you'll see the antivirus people, they also do a paid for one. If their free one was as good as the paid for one, they'd never sell a free one, uh, sell a paid for one, sorry. They would always be the free ones. Yeah. They do it as a social responsibility because everybody should have some form of internet security yeah. the but they also put on there a part of the usage that it's licensed for home use only not for commercial not for business because again if you're using their software to protect your machines you're using their security to make sure that you can earn money so realistically you should really be contributing back the free ones are designed for those home users because you know everybody should be able to use the internet to some degree and they should be able to be kept safe other free tools out there you know zoom we're using is a fantastic tool there's a free version it has limits there's not an issue with the licensing on there they have limits to the 40 minutes but then you go into the paid for ones which your limit is 24 hours so it's always those sorts of things so always investigate is the software licensed for your business use because just because it's free doesn't necessarily mean it is yeah, I get I actually get a bit hot under the collar about free um, because I wouldn't work for free. I mean, I might help you out if you ask me a question. In fact, I'll always help people out when they ask me a question. Um, but why would I provide training for free when why would I do that if my business is to provide training and people yeah. expect this free, they expect software houses in particular yeah. to provide everything for free and how are they supposed to develop it? Where are they supposed to get the money exactly. for it unless you pay for it? And yeah. would you be happy to work for free in the exactly. same way that you're expecting free software? Yeah. And that's the thing. The free stuff is often to give you the chance to test it. So like with zoom, it gives you the chance to say, actually, this is really good. I'm limited to the 40 minutes. It's really good. There's a lot of power. I actually want it as something I use fully. Yeah. Um, and it, it's all what, what you get out of it. And, you know, and some of the ones that's great, they're community projects, but, and they will say, you know, we rely purely on donations. Yeah. You know, the stock tool I use, I've donated to because actually I tried it. I've used it for a couple of months. It's really good. It does what I need it to do. Right. Here's a donation. Here's a thank you for it because you've got costs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, now on to a really tricky one. Passwords. Yeah. What can you tell us about passwords, Tristan? Why do we even need them? And should we have one master password? Can we use lots of variations? What should we be doing? So your passwords, your, your front door key. Okay, so we have different locks on all, on the doors in the house. So we, we the idea is you have different passwords for everything. The trouble is where we have a house, we have maybe a front door, a back door, a garage door, maybe a side door. There's about four doors we need keys for. Since we go online, every single website we go to, we need a password. So the difficulty is we fall into a few traps. We either use the same password for absolutely everything. We use um, a password where we put a pattern in because we go, no, we've got to keep it unique. We'll put a pattern in. So we use actually a coding off the page to do it. So if we go to Amazon, we do AMA dot the password. If we're using LinkedIn, we do LIN dot the password. So the idea is, well, actually each password's unique. So if you knew my Amazon one, you won't be able to get into my LinkedIn. Well, actually if I saw AMA dot your password, 
I'm going to guess that L that your LinkedIn one will be LIN, your PayPal one will be PAY. Whatever pattern you've yeah. used, I'm going to guess that you're done. So it's a bit of a, 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 a sort of a, a false uh, safety net that you feel with that. The we when we do the passwords, we think, well, we can create really strong ones. So we use a word because we've got to have something we can remember, and we'll swap the numbers for letters because we've got to have over eight characters we've got to have uppercase lowercase we've got to have symbols we've got to have numbers just to, because what that does opens up 92 combinations per character so that means if you've got an eight character password it's 92 to the power of eight possible combinations so you come up with a word let's say password for instance capital p a the equivalent is four s s so five five W, not an O, we'll do a zero RD. There it is. I've now got that in. Exclamation at the end because I've got to have a symbol. That isn't a word now. It's letters and numbers. But actually, it's, again, quite predictable because you've all been told to do it. So if you've all been told to do it, it becomes easy to guess. So, okay, well, how do people work that out? Because you can't just sit on a website and type all these things in. Well, we hear about companies being hacked. What has to, when a hack happens, it means that they've stolen the database that's on the public side, which is your username, your email address that's on every business card, every correspondence you send, and your, um, your uh, encrypted password. And the password cannot be decrypted. What they can do is when they've got a copy of that offline, is they can work out how it is encrypted. That's doesn't take too long and then they encrypt the whole dictionary and then they compare the encrypted version to the encrypted version when they get a match they know what the word is so they have to do it in a reverse way of encrypt everything to find the match because when you type your password in it encrypts it and it's always encrypted the same way as long as the two encrypted versions match it lets you in right. so which is why there's been a lot of scam emails over the last few years, which have been the LinkedIn passwords that were stolen in 2012. They finally hacked the ones that are between eight and 10 characters, which are the majority uh, sort of uh, as it goes through um, where they've now releasing emails to say your password was this. And the reason they know it is because that was your password in 2012 on that particular site that was stolen. They have to have it public view because if you can't, you have to have your, your lock accessible on your front door, otherwise you can't put the key in to unlock it. All your other data should be well hidden behind of getting into the front door. So it, it's that. Now, there's a, there's a couple of easy ways to keep these as secure as possible. One, there, there used to be guidance about changing your password often. Don't, because you fall into the trap when you do it Never of just increasing it. the number. You put a number at the end and then it just goes up by one each time you change it because we're humans. We get lazy. We've got so many things to do. Passwords should only be changed when you know that password has been compromised. Uh, the, the other part is having a different password for every single site, it's unmanageable. Password managers are fantastic. You do need to have a very strong pass uh, password for them, and I'll talk about fresh faces in a moment. They're great for keeping track of that, but what they don't do, um, they, they, you know all your, your eggs are in one basket. The, the, they are, have got backup facilities and all things like that, and I use them myself. They're a great way to use, but I still like to know what my passwords are. I don't like these random character ones. Mm group your your main categories into maybe about six or seven and you can get away with six or seven passwords one for your most secure is like your email because if i can get into your email i can reset the password to every other account because i forgot my password oh i've got an email link click type in my password i've now got access so your email should be unique as a password you're often that ties in with your data because of office 365 g suite things like that but any of those cloud storage one should be a separate one so dropbox box anything you use there should have a separate passphrase or password underneath that then you've got other things that your classes needing to be secure so maybe something for finances so paypal credit cards bank accounts things like that so we group a finances password one for shopping so what amazon very all the different sites you might go to and you buy from there's your password for those. One for your social media, so Facebook, Twitter, um, and all that. You end up with about six groups. 
if you make the mistake that you know you've given away your password to somebody or it's been compromised on one, you've only got one group of passwords to change. It makes it a bit more manageable. But how do you make sure you have a password that's really strong? Because when they steal it, as I say, they work through this. And once they finish the dictionaries and all that, they go to a combination, A, B, C, D, A, 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 B, A, C, A, 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 and so on. They'll work it out and said 92 characters per letter. So you could have a 25 character password that's really easy to remember. That's about 43 quintillion years for them to hack, uh, by which point I would have changed the password. And it's called a passphrase. It's a sentence. So one I use when I teach it is, I rock 100% at Gears of War. Actually, I, one I actually tend to use more is, I rock 397% at Gears of War. I'm a gamer, I'm IT. I've got a sentence out there, it's 25 characters long. The, what, you know I'm a gamer, so what game have I actually picked? So Gears of War is one I use in the example. Uh, I went to a place that sort of a, a violent game wasn't really appropriate for, so I changed the game to Lemmings because that was a great fun puzzle game I had for my kids from my childhood. What game have I picked in 40 years of life plus 10 years of retro gaming before I was born have I picked? 397% is because I completed it three times and nearly the fourth time I just can't kill the main boss at the end on the insane level. I've got percent, I've got at, so I've got two symbols. But it's something that's really easy to remember because it's yeah. a sentence. Yeah. What it does is... People can't predict it as, word, it as words because it's a combination of words. There's several words in there that makes it exponentially big for them to put combination together. And wherever I position numbers, symbols, I use the at symbol because I'm IT instead of the AT. What, you know, all those sorts of things there. So they have to do the combination attack, which is 43 quintillion years. It makes a really, really strong passphrase. And if you use a password manager, it's a perfect type of thing to have there because it's very personal to you. Obviously, mine's not that one, but that's one I use as a great example. Yeah. Secure. How about you, Joe? What do you do with your passwords? Do you follow Tristan's advice? Uh, I use um, a combination of words, um, not quite in the same way as Tristan. So as an example, I might say Amazon underscore cats or, or something like that. It's two very random words and I then mix it up with using numbers. Um, I use the um, exclamation mark sometimes as a one or an L or an I. Um, and I just mix it up and sometimes depending on what it is, my, my bank uh, and credit card, I have a different password for each. Uh, I hadn't thought of grouping them like that. Um, but I have for my banking and my credit cards and that sort of thing, I use three words. So I might use Amazon underscore cats, Apple, three totally unrelated words, uh, a mixture in there of capitals, uh, lowercase and the um, symbols and um, yeah that's that's my approach and then I use a particular um, password keeper LastPass um, yeah, I use LastPass and I just manage my entire life from a password perspective from LastPass yeah. password managers absolutely brilliant to use uh, one of the best features for them is actually a dead man switch because yeah. For myself, I, you know, when I was a one-man band myself, before I took on staff, only I would know the passwords. And if I was hit by a bus, I've got clients that need to be looked after. So I had um, my VA is uh, very integrated into my business. So they were one of the designated people that if I was incapacitated in hospital or something like that and people needed access, they can request the password. But what it is is it works in the way that you get an email through that says, if you don't want this person to have access in 72 hours, I've set it for three days, please click this link. If nobody clicks the link, they're, they're granted access, which is why it's a dead man switch. So they, it's, we have to choose to say no, but I set up who can have access to it at the very beginning. Um, and that way it means that should there be anything as a problem, we can get someone else in who is... Uh, one of the trusted contacts to go in and make sure everybody's looked after whether they find a new provider or they moved them or the business is sold or whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Well, we've got, we, 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 
having great fun here, learning, learning lots. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm learning loads of stuff today, and I'm sure our listeners are too. So I'm just going to ask you um, one quick question left, which is about um, picking a computer. And it's topical for me right now. I've got a Surface Book 2, which I absolutely love. I love my Microsoft stuff. I like their tech. Um, I've also got a MacBook Air. Um, but my Surface Book 2 is beginning to play up for it has been today. And it's made me think, I need to start thinking. I'm not going to do it just yet. But I need to start thinking about either a back, another backup machine. I've got a little Surface Pro, but it's too small to look, for me to work on all the time. And, and I, I need a, a heavy, hard-hitting machine. So when you go out to buy a new laptop, Tristan, what should you be thinking about? The first first question you have, uh, first question often people ask is when they say I need a new computer. What do I? What should I have? You immediately get people jump on board and say, Oh, you should buy a Mac. They've not asked you a single question. They're telling you, you should buy a Mac. Yeah. I am not anti Macs. I'm not anti Windows. I think both are brilliant. They both have places. The the first part is what are you used to and what are you going to do with it? If yeah. you're used to both PCs can do everything. So you can do all your graphic animation stuff on windows. Macs are slightly better designed for it. You can do all your number crunching admin processing on Macs as well as windows. Windows are a bit better designed for it. Uh, Macs are a bit more expensive just for that. But what are you used to? That's the most important thing. If you are used to using Macs, stay with a Mac, because otherwise you've got to learn Windows. If you're used to using Windows, don't move to a Mac, because you've got to learn Mac. So is there a reason of what you would look for? Don't just go for the default where everybody goes, yo, you need a Mac. No, you need what you're used to. It's yes. your time. What are you, what are you going to be happy using? Then once you're doing to that, don't buy cheap. And I don't mean buy ultra expensive, but don't go, oh, I can get a computer for 300 quid. Because your 300 quid computer, it, for yourself, all those numbers and stats of what is a CPU, all that looks really big. It says uh, 3 gigahertz, but it's, it says Intel Atom 3 gigahertz. Well, actually, it's a processor designed for mobiles. It's not got the oomph to it. Even though it says that nice big number, it's not. Whereas you might see one a bit more expensive that says i5 10th gen, one gigahertz. Well, actually, that's its resting sort of speed, but it will jump up to sort of 3.5, 3.6 gigahertz when you need to use it. So there's lots of little technical parts on there. Um, you what you're looking for business-wise, if I sort of give us a real honest sort of figure, is you are looking around the 500 to 750 sort of mark um, when you're buying a computer. Depending on what you're doing influences that because if you're doing more graphics, you do need more oomph. If you are, but for admin-wise that's what you're looking if you're looking for a computer for staff members it can be cheaper because they don't necessarily need the same sort of storage as you might uh, when we do it as business owners we want a bit of bigger storage because we will keep some personal stuff on our computers we will have more graphics and things to do with the business so um you know, even for this, you, you've asked for a, a photo of myself. Well, I've got all the high-res photos that was done on a photo shoot. They take a good sort of couple of gig of space yeah. for all of them together. Your staff members aren't going to have that. But you as the, the owner for the business area will do. So there will all be those sorts of things. So don't buy cheap is the biggest advice. Speak to your IT person. They can give you the best advice because they know what you're doing. Don't listen to people say, oh, you just need this. You just need as a, oh, you should look at a Mac. It's what you used to. The, the people should be, the questions you should be asked by someone who's looking for yourself is what are you going to do with it? What are you used to? What sort of budget are you trying to look into? Uh, and how long do you really want it to last before you upgrade? Because what I've said about one between the 500 and 750 sort of mark, those ones, okay, the warranty may be one to three years, depending on the model you get they and offers and things at the time. But actually, you probably are going to get five to eight years of life out of it. Computer I'm using at the moment is six years old. I have no intention of upgrading it uh, until I get a, a nice influx of cash or for a couple more years because it's got the storage, it's got the SSD, it's got the RAM, it's got a good processor. It will last so actually 750 quid over something that might be five years long is not a long, it is a bigger upfront, but it's not yeah. too long. Uh, it, it gives you yeah. a decent life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always, 
um, felt that quality definitely is worth paying for, definitely worth paying for. Well, um, I think it's been fascinating. Joe, have you got yes. any questions for Tristan before we wind up? No, that's uh, so much information in, in that chat there. Um, uh, lots of notes for us all to make and uh, take note of and uh, review our security, I think. Absolutely. What? One thing I'd just add now, I was always taught that if you ask to do five tips, always have a bonus one. Okay, what's your bonus, bonus one tip? A bonus. Your internet speeds. Yes. Again, well, you can work from home, you, you can work in an office, mm. all that. Your internet speeds, there's always a route to have high speed. And high, the higher the speed your internet is better. It's, don't think about the download, it's the upload. Uh, you, your standard thing is ADSL, the upload speed is less than a meg, it's slow. You need to be really looking at fiber or virgin. And with virgin, don't go for the really base package. Look at something that gives you a high upload speed of over five megabits per second. Because right now doing a video, I'm uploading my video. Uh, if I'm working for clients, if the internet is slow, it oh. takes me longer to do things, which means yeah. I'm either overcharging the client, which means I'm not as competitive, or I'm having to spend an hour to do something, but then I can only charge a client 20 minutes work because it should have only taken 20 minutes, yeah. in which case I'm earning sort of 20 minutes pay for an hour's worth of work. Yeah. There is always routes. And even if you can't get it reverted because you're out in the countryside, don't forget your mobile phone connections. There's some fantastic unlimited data deals now that are happening with 4G that you can have a full proper router. It doesn't mean you're tying it into your mobile. You have a proper router and it's exactly the same. And we've done a few of those for people who thought they couldn't get anything. Internet yeah. speed, go for the go for a high quality, high speed, fastest yeah. upload you can get. Yeah, I always have my phone um, with data so that I can hotspot off it because sometimes your regular wired, I, I'm on a wired connection into a, fiber, a wired fiber connection, um, but sometimes that stops, breaks, something happens, there's yeah. an outage. Um, so I always have a, like to have a backup and I have that, I often use my phone as a hotspot. Um, it, and also your phone thing. as a hotspot is quite secure, isn't it? Yeah, when you're out and about, Public Wi-Fi's, your big name brands generally safe and secure. So, you know, your Costas, McDonald's, uh, hotels, Hilton Hotel, sort of thing like that. Your unknown brand sort of places, you don't know how they've set it up. And they're not going to tell you how they set it up. So you're going to always wonder, if I'm in a little local coffee shop, I will use my mobile because it's my internet that I've got carried around with me. Um, and again, the packages out there, the prices, they're bringing in unlimited data now, properly unlimited. Um, they are they're, they're very reasonable out there. So it gives us a perfect opportunity to go, well, actually, I've got a portable internet. Might have a, even a 4G one in the sort of sat on a proper router in the, on the windowsill. At, I can be in the middle of the countryside and actually I'm still going to be high speed internet, even if the physical line connections from BT and Virgin aren't there. Brilliant. Tristan, thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast and Very giving welcome. us thank all these fantastic tips. I'm sure that our listeners um, will be in touch. Listeners, on the show notes, you'll find all Tristan's contact details, so you'll be able to get in touch with him for any security or support issues that you might have. And um, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank Thanks. you. Well, Joe, wasn't it great talking to Tristan this up this morning? Yes, it was brilliant. He, he's got such um, great advice for VAs um, and, and how to protect their systems and um, the tech that they use. Yeah. So, what was your favourite tip? What did you? What was your best takeaway from from the five that, and the bonus that he gave us? Um, for me, it was the importance of strong passwords. Yeah. Very, very important. Um, do you use a, a password tool to manage all of the passwords that you must have in your systems for the, the different tech, the active campaign and the Microsoft and the the banking and oh, it's, it's all too much sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I use a password um, helper to, to help me do all that. I don't actually use it for my banking. I do most of my banking on my phone. Um, and I use fingerprint recognition for that and a, and a digital password for that, which I, I prefer. And also my bank doesn't have a password as such. You have to put in 
uh, letters and numbers from two different things and then it sometimes sends you a text and says is it really yeah. you um, so I don't actually need it for that um, but we'll come back and talk about password keeper in a minute um, my top takeaway from, from Tristan was um, was was the encrypting your your device I yes. travel around quite a bit and I'm forever traveling between my kids who live in different countries uh, the PA show that I go to I live in Israel I sometimes go sit in a coffee shop um, and I'm very aware of making sure that my laptop is as secure as it can be and yeah. that other people can't get into it so um, I was quite pleased that that Tristan was talking about encryption which for Windows is BitLocker and on Mac is called File Vault uh, and I have both of those activated on, on both my laptops which is which is cool um, but going back to the last pass issue there you go let the cat out of the bag last pass that's the password keeper that i use um, i really really love it there's a, a a browser extension for each of the different browsers so i have i use um talking about browsers i use a few different browsers for different reasons so my main browser that i use is chrome uh, which i think is most people's default now mm. um, but i sometimes use edge which is microsoft's browser and i also use opera and i really like oh. the opera browser opera browser has a built-in vpn which helps you be a bit more secure as well a built-in right. ad blocker so you get to see less ads that you don't want to see on certain websites but it also what i really love about it is it integrates with both whatsapp facebook messenger and now instagram in its recent oh. So I can't post to Instagram from it, but I can get to my Instagram feed and see if there's anything I need to respond to. And um, I connect WhatsApp web to it, and I've got WhatsApp right there that I can type with the keyboard. Yeah. <clears throat> and Facebook Messenger, similarly. I don't have to be in Facebook to use Facebook Messenger. So I quite like that in the Opera browser. Um, and that has, a, so LastPass has an extension for that too, which yeah. is, handy because when you go to a website you want to be able to get your password yeah yeah uh, how do you use it what do you how do you i use i use LastPass for everything um i store all of my own passwords in there i do have additional levels of security in there where i store the banking codes i operate similarly to you in that you've got to have two letters from this or a number from that or whatever. Um, but I store all of those in there because I've got business banking and personal banking, savings accounts, the children's account. So all of that goes in there. And I also secure all of my clients' um, passwords in there. I have access to um, email marketing, to CRM systems, to web pages, to podcast recordings, to all sorts of different things for clients. And clients share their passwords from their um, LastPass. So sometimes I don't get to actually see what the password is, but I can launch the application. And that gives um, the clients the assurity that they retain control because at any time they can change the password and stop my access with immediate effect. Yeah, I, I use it that way too. In fact, I think I've shared a couple of passwords with you. You have. Past. Yeah. Uh, and I share passwords with Zeta so she can manage my social media accounts. Yeah. Um, and what I love, the f and that's what I love about it, is that the person I'm sharing with doesn't ever see what the password is. Yeah. They just get to be able to use it, which, which I think is, is great. And certainly if you're working for lots of different people, there's just too much to remember. Yeah. Um, certainly for me with my courses, when I'm testing stuff, I often create um, new email addresses. Uh, so I have to create a new Outlook account or a new Gmail account. And yeah. keeping track of all of that, of, of the name and, and the email and the password, yeah is yeah. just too much yeah. for my poor little brain yeah I, I have um I, like you i i test different things so if i'm setting up um an active campaign or a a, a mailchimp automation i have test email addresses that i can use to log in test yeah. the sign up form all of that sort of thing and it is very difficult but for me the most important element is that when a client shares 
their passwords with me, they retain the control, which is a very important part of their GDPR management of their own systems because they have to retain control of their data at all times. So. Yeah, yeah, because you, you can envisage the terrible scenario of falling out with a client um, or the client falls out with a VA and then the VA gets the ump and wanders off with all the, VA, all the client's data and, and it stops that happening. Yeah, and there have been horror stories in the past and you know i have i've never had to deal with it the scenario myself but i've heard of other people um in a situation where they've had a website developer or they've had somebody who set up the real mail marketing there's been some sort of scenario going on and then all of a sudden they're locked out of their website they're locked out of their email marketing um system and and they are powerless to do anything because they've got the master access and the master password and that is really you know yeah i'm 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 a control freak i want control of everything so uh, there's no way i would let somebody else set something up for me and and me not have the last word on that yes and talking of the last word i think we've waffled enough for today Yes, absolutely. So I think we'll let our listeners go. I hope, listeners, that you are enjoying the podcast as much as we're enjoying making it. And um, it's really um, becoming a labour of love, certainly for me anyway. Yes. And and, uh, as uh, as we say in every episode, you can get hold of us by emailing either shelley at tomorrowsva.com or joe at jlbsupportsolutions.co.uk. You can message us on our Facebook page at Virtually Amazing. Hop over and, uh, and give us a like or a follow. Everything helps. We post lots of interesting information to the page as we go along. And uh, we look forward to seeing you or hearing you in another episode. Bye for now. Bye for now. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.